Hello and welcome to the Bids, Tenders and Proposals podcast. Here you will get insights on how to write successful bids, how to do business with government, and things to avoid in your submissions. Here is your host Arvind Lau, who has evaluated thousands of tenders as part of his work and continues to provide technical advice and training to a number of government organizations and private sector on tendering, procurement, negotiations and contract management. So, let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by BidHQ.com.au. BidHQ is a platform where you can manage all your bids in one place and collaborate with your team to create the best bid responses. Sign up for a free trial at BidHQ.com.au. Okay, welcome to the Bid Standards and Proposals podcast. In the last podcast, we talked about the 10 reasons why your company could lose a tender or not win the bid or not win the proposal. Um, when I was, as I said, this this is part two of that uh, of that list of things that um, you you really should avoid or really should not do or really should do better, uh, depending on um, which way um, it is. This is really the part two of that um, the top ten that I talked about. So this will be the the, the next ten um, reasons what causes you to lose your uh, the tender or not win the bid so let's um, let's get into it and um, look at um, some of the reasons why uh, some of the other reasons uh, in on top of what uh, we have talked about in the previous podcast as to why you could lose that uh, lose the tender or the tender would not win uh, if you haven't done some of these things so let's look at it number one is unclear or non-responsive pricing structure so essentially the pricing is is a very um it's an interesting thing i mean like sometimes uh, uh, the government departments would ask you to provide a pricing in the manner that you see fit uh, in the sense that if they cannot scope i mean they may scope the project but if they cannot outline whether they like it done per item per piece or they want a lump sum price then it they leave it to the contract to provide that price what i mean by not very clear is sometimes you have pricing uh, contractors that actually put the pricing in by saying okay well the this is um 30 dollars per per item uh but if you if you buy a part of the item you still pay thirty dollars or if you um if you get additional items then we might give you a discount but you don't clarify what sort of discount on what sort of numbers that you're going to give then that pricing is not very clear so whatever whatever pricing you put in you make sure that pricing is very very clear as to what you are going to charge for what service or goods you are going to provide now one of the things that I've found in evaluating tenders is often tenders provide a pricing in the pricing section which is fine but then somewhere within their proposal or within their bid they will put in some conditions on those pricing and make those uh, pricing very conditional or they would put down that as a result of this 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 will be extra $300,000 or something now it's fine that you have put that in the request for tender documents but it is a commercial offer that needs to be made in the pricing section of the 
tender return schedules that is been that has been provided by the department of government department or, or council that have uh, that is requesting uh, that tender submission so make sure that there are now hidden prices here and there because we have stumbled across a number of times you stumble across this pricing and then they have got some hidden prices within the request for tender saying um you know if it's required by such and such time then there'll be an additional cost of 300,000 or $200,000 and and that that, that complicates things so essentially it's not clear and it's not a, a pricing that's uh, put in the format that you should have provided the pricing the next one is uh, non-compliance with local laws and regulations now this goes without saying that if you are not compliant with the local laws uh, or the regulations that uh, your work needs to be under then uh, you you are not able to demonstrate that you are within that uh, the laws and regulations then your tender is not likely to succeed and let's look at number three the inadequate resources or team to deliver the project so every request for tender the large ones certainly they they ask for resources that you will be putting towards this uh, tender and if you're not able to demonstrate that you have got sufficient resources or team to deliver the project uh, then your tender could uh, be sidelined now the other one is failure to provide necessary documentation. Now request for tender document is just that they requesting a tender submission from the potential tenders or potential contractors should I say because everybody who's putting the tender in are tenders so potential contractors and one of the ones um, who wins it will become a contractor in essence don't uh, sorry if you do not provide necessary documentation then it is very difficult for uh, the organizations to evaluate your tender and it is likely that your tender will not make the next round because the first round they'll look at it is whether say if you're a building con- contractor they'll look at it have you got the appropriate building licenses have you got appropriate documentation have you got appropriate insurance documentation and all those documentation that they have asked you to provide if you haven't provided them then they will assume that you do not have them or do not have those credentials uh poor financial stability and credit rating uh i mean everybody would know their own company where they stand in terms of financials and uh, one of the big requirements is that um you know the particularly for large contract is that the company that's putting in are financially um, viable and and they're stable and they have got good credit rating and a lot of the times um, councils i know for sure they actually go out to to private company that uh, provide the service of credit checking and then they write the company's ability to do that project and and uh, they will make a recommendation that uh, and and i've seen this sometimes which the recommendation would say something like under no circumstances council should enter into a contract with this company so sometimes the pricing and all the other things would be fine but their financial standing is very poor and very poor credit rating and the analysis shows that halfway through the contract they could go bust so so for that reason that down so make sure that you build up your um, financial stability and credit rating and understand where you stand in that regard okay the next one is unrealistic project timeline 
Most times you see the contractors will put in whatever time is required by uh, the government department through the request for tender is whatever time that they will put down. So if it says this work must be completed within six months, they'll say, worse, worse, we can do the work within six months. But the unrealistic project timeline, what I'm talking about here is where someone comes in and we all know if, if council has not required a specific timeline and they said, okay, provide the timeline, we all know the work is going to take approximately approximately three months to say you know clear the road build that road and surface it and you know all those things within the the traffic uh, managing the traffic nighttime work and all that to get a certain part of the road done you know that it's going to take about three months to do it and if some contractor comes in and says oh yeah we can do it overnight or in two weeks time then you know it's unrealistic so you then start to question as a evaluator of the tender to see whether these guys are for real and and, and a lot of the times i found that people that have put a very very low price or a very uh, low um, uh, sorry short timelines have missed out because they fully not understood the scope of the project. The other one is failure to demonstrate understanding of project risk. Now, this is something uh, very, very important. I think a lot of the contractors don't fully understand it, in uh, in my view, because I, when I evaluate, um, I find out that uh, contractors are not able to demonstrate the risk uh, involved in the project. One of the reasons why councils or government departments go out to the public for a particular work to be done is so that they can pass on the risk to the contractor so they don't have to carry the risk of not finishing on time risk of um, not being able to do it to the quality and efficiency um, risk of having to buy too many machines um, all sorts of things there is a number of things that the project risk brings so it is important for the contractor to demonstrate that they are able to understand the risk with the project and how they're going to deal with that risk. Now, if you can demonstrate that and can make it very comfortable for councils or government departments to understand that, look, I know this risk, I understand it, and my company is going to fully take care of all this risk, then you go a long way of getting that, um, winning that uh, contract. Now, inability to provide necessary guarantees and warranties. You know, this there are contracts that actually re- require the contractor or the tenderer to provide necessary guarantees and warranties. And if you are not in a position to provide them, uh, then if it is a, a requirement of the the contractor, then then you would probably not likely to to succeed. Now, I've recently done a a fairly large request for tender document for procurement of uh, a fairly expensive piece of equipment for one of the local governments. And um, one of the things that is required by council in that particular exercise is the the warranties that they provide on the on the insurance and what guarantee they'll have that they'll have that piece of equipment delivered and what sort of um, guarantees they have that they will have the supply of parts and, and labor following the sale of that equipment to to council so and that will form part of the evaluation and if they cannot demonstrate that they've got appropriate servicing requirements parts and other labor requirements going forward uh, then they will probably not be successful in making that sale so so that that's what i'm talking about by guarantees and warranties now number nine is poor communication and coordination with stakeholders now one of the things that we talked about is in the past is as well is the is the communication 
and coordination with stakeholders. So a lot of the time, contractors actually utilize subcontractors, and the submission comes in, you know, half done by by the the main contractor, and the other bit done done by stake the other stakeholders like subcontractors that that do not provide that same level of um, clarity in the document. Then it shows the poor communication and coordination within your within your team. Lack of uh, innovation and differentiation from other bidders so you need to show that why your organization is the is the one that needs to that is there to win that uh, that piece of work so uh, they win the contract so you need to demonstrate the point of difference and the innovation that you are bringing to the table in the sense that your organization has got a significant um, advantage over the other. You may understand it. You may know that your organization has got significant advantage over the other, but you need to demonstrate that in a manner that it will be very clear to the to the organization seeking that particular tender so that they can understand that, ah, that's, that's fine, that this company is has got the point of difference and they actually have got machinery which is you know twice as fast or whatever else it may be so let's um recap this um the next 10 reasons why your tender could be you could miss out on the, on winning the winning the work or winning the contract is number one unclear or non-responsive pricing structure number two is non-compliance with local laws and regulations number three is inadequate resources or team to deliver the project number four is failure to provide necessary documentation and number five is poor financial stability and uh, credit rating and number six is uh, unrealistic project timelines or delivery timelines number seven is failure to demonstrate the understanding of the project risk very important number eight is inability to provide necessary guarantees or warranties that are relevant to that particular contract Uh, number nine is poor communication and coordination with stakeholders and number ten is lack of innovation and differentiation from other bidders. So there you go. That's the next 10 things that uh, uh, you need to consider to make sure that your tenders make it to um, to evaluation in a way and perhaps win the contract. And failure to do any of these sort of things could actually uh, jeopardize you winning the, winning the contract. Thank you for listening to this podcast. So this is part two of the two-part podcast for providing you know the reasons why you could uh, miss the tenders. And until next time, Good luck with your bids, tenders and proposals. Remember, you can get more information about this episode of the podcast and other episodes of our podcast at bidsmart.com.au.